Well, hello and welcome to the latest episode of Crack of Stories podcast. Today we're going to be talking about food, not Polish food. We're talking about South Asian food and Malaysian food. And I'm joined today by Bina. Hello. And by Didi. Hi. Who are both Malaysian and discovered each other by chance, by accident, a happy accident here in Krakow. Didi has a restaurant here in Krakow in Kazimierz. Uh, in Kazimierz, the restaurant called Batik at Josefa 5. So it's called Batik at Josefa 5, and Batik, of course, is the Malaysian, Indonesian yeah. style of decorating cloth mm. by waxing it and dyeing it mm. and making specific patterns. And there, there have actually been Batik workshops here in Krakow. The restaurant called Batik is new, but Batik is, isn't new to Krakow. And Vina, you're doing pop-up cooking. I run this uh, small business, uh, which I'm, uh, some people call me a private chef or a personal chef, that I create a pop-up dining event. So it means that I create dinner events where it could be in various locations. It can be it can be in a restaurant or it can be in a in a home or even in the outside of, of, of a home. It can be in any kind of uh, space. And we curate special menus. For my situation or my in my dining events, I focus a lot on the historical part behind Southeast Asian food. You mentioned Southeast Asian food. You were born in Malaysia, raised in Singapore with mixed Indian roots. So far it sounds delicious and very exotic. <laughs> You're a Punjabi with an Indonesian influence, thanks to your mother's yeah. origins. <laughs> you have lived in Indonesia, Singapore, Cambodia, Laos, India, Thailand, Portugal and now Poland. Yes. So that's a lot of cultural influences and a lot of culinary influences. Yeah, yes. So I also by chance, but very, very pleasant chance. Five years ago, I stumbled upon the opportunity to seriously take my hobby, which is cooking, uh, just for fun and make it something professional. And it started all here in Poland, actually. I met a very friendly chef in a small town and uh, he guided me to be more, how to say, to give me training and to guide me on how to work in a commercial kitchen. And from there, I started to actually br- bring the opportunity to be trained by other chefs. So I got an opportunity to be trained by several chefs in Czech Republic and then I ventured further to Switzerland. And I had an opportunity to also get a, f- a few weeks of training by a chef there. And then I met a French chef. That was a bit daunting because you always say if yeah. you want to go in the culinary world, the French cooking style is a bit like, you know, that's the, the one that you want to do well by. Sure. So I got an opportunity there. And then Portugal was a really, really amazing opportunity in Portugal. Because I realized that from Portugal, from cooking in Portugal and meeting different uh, cooks and chefs, I realized that there's a lot of his colonial history that I could talk about when it comes to cooking Asian food. Because I do see a gap where when people eat Asian food, of course, people love it, and but many people do not appreciate the story behind it. So... When I had the opportunity to do that in Portugal, because Portuguese was a major uh, kind of a colonial power that 
were traveling around the world once upon a time and kind of influencing their culture and also food and people and Malaysia was a part of their story so I had an opportunity to do a pop-up there and I realized that actually I could bring this kind of historical part of cooking to to more audience so that became my story as a private chef doing pop-ups so not just the food and the flavors yeah. but the heritage, heritage and the history and the culture yeah. as well why basically what you're eating on the table why is that so yeah. and there was so many secrets that we think that belongs to asia but sometimes it doesn't it doesn't belong to asia it yeah. came from somewhere else or it could be it could be the other way around what you're eating in in europe could could have belonged to to the asian counterparts so i found that very interesting and also because as you introduce me it's very very common especially in malaysia to have intercultural influence mm-hmm. with parents intermarriages happening or even how do you, who i say like basically culture marriages so yeah. we could come from the same background like like for my case my grandparents are indians but my mom came from in the indonesian indian so which is very different from the malaysian indians and then yeah. of course the indians from india is also very different so it's it's nice for me to be able to tell that story it's uh, a nice melting pot of yeah, dif- different and, cultures yeah so. and i feel it's time that people get to appreciate that uh, we are all unique and our food is unique because of that what's the name of your pop-up chef events here okay the company is called craze asia so it's spelled as c r a z e asia can yeah. you tell us what these events look like so it's definitely different where you get to see the chef in in the works so the chef is actually bringing uh, basic cooking and preparing your food right in front of you and there's different levels of pop up experiences there's very um elevated versions which is quite expensive but i'm bringing more of the affordable version <laughs> what happens in this events is first of all you're not eating in a in a in a typical restaurants most of the time or if you are the whole ambience of the restaurant is changed just for that night so you get a specialized one night only curated menu created by the chef whoever the chef is and it's it's a very special delivery by the chef and usually in this events it could be equivalent to like if you experience a tasting tasting menu so you get a uh, not less than a three course meal three three different dishes and it's uh, usually paired with the drinks and usually it's escalated or 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 presented more with wine pairing but you can also get non-alcoholic kind of pairing because there is chefs that are good in creating beverages uh, cocktails mocktails so it can be that kind of thing uh yeah so it's just a kind of going to a party but you are the party is or you're celebrating is food and you're also getting a chance to speak to the chef with every dish that they serve. It's more personal, it's more intimate and it's more yeah. unique and you're much more connected with the chef yeah. who's preparing your your food and your dishes. We'll come back to you in a minute. Didi, yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Batik? How has Krakow now got a Malaysian restaurant? How did it happen? It's all connected with my background. Before I'm a student, I'm also a professional chef for 7 years. Uh, why I want to open Batik is because it's because of the demands from the uh, Malaysian communities because there's a no such a Malaysian restaurant and then I have business in Malaysia in the restaurant sector industry and then the embassy even the minister of Malaysia reached out to me and said that, uh, hey Didi uh, why not you open a restaurant here 
first day I come here, yeah. I just fall in love. I say, oh wow, you see, uh, it's a, the country that I want to stay longer. That I want to can call home. Why I want to open in Krakow? Because like the multicultural people, like international people, they are very nice person here. Yeah. So you opened on the eighteenth of March. We opened at one of the March actually. We have a soft opening on first March. So the eighteenth of March was your grand opening. Yeah. Because I see that you had yeah. the ambassador of yeah. Malaysia and, and the ambassador of Indonesia also. there to celebrate your yeah celebrate there and yeah. members of the Malaysian community here. Yeah, in Krakow. yeah. How, how big is the Malaysian community here in Krakow? I know too, and I'm sitting beside. <laughs> yeah, you I mean for the whole Poland, or as I was informed, is like last time is. Five hundred, twelve people, something like that. So, but it became like a hub, like yeah, a like yeah. a hub uh, for Malaysians yeah, to come actually, in. It's an unofficial Krakow yeah, Malaysian yeah, consulate. Yeah, yeah, I know. As well, we're concentrating on Malaysian food just now, but I know that you also are introducing Indonesian food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, in my experience, when I was in Portugal and cooking and and kind of seeing the the significance of bringing the historical side through my food. I realized that uh, I had not one tiny opportunity to talk about the Malay, like how did the Malay historical roots came about. Mm-hmm. So it's like quite interesting because there's a whole uh, like significant and intricate story behind that, and that's why like there is a connection between uh, uh, Indonesian Malay culture with Malaysian Malay culture. That's why it's so hard to explain mm-hmm. all of this in one po- podcast. Yeah, you mentioned your event. Are you going to be holding these regularly? Yes. Yeah, so on definitely, yeah. Started this five years ago. Like every business that went through the COVID times, my business also was hit hard because my business deals with meeting people, uh, hosting them. Recently, I relaunched Crazy Asia. I think about three months ago. So definitely now with Batik around and very, very much so in my heart of being Malaysian first. That definitely, I would be launching a monthly event. Be maybe twice a month, but definitely monthly event. I would like to do something, and and of course, Chef Didi also wants to do something because he's the. Uh, I guess we have a like what we have explained earlier. How we differentiate ourselves is he represents the authentic Malaysian ethnic Malay food. Mm-hmm. Because that's his roots, and he would talk about it. <laughs> and I am kind of a fusion because in Malaysia we have fusion cultures, like myself, raised as an Indian but born in Malaysia, and then we have a mixture of Indonesian and things like that. So that exists in Malaysia, and we also have intermarriages. And the culture, specifically in Malaysia, are called the Peranakan. You can actually Google this Peranakan, or another terminology is the Baba Nyonya people. So it's, it it exists in Singapore because Singapore was a part of Malaysia once upon a time, and it also in Malaysia because of the previous colonization and the um the shipping cultural mix of of different countries coming and doing trading. So they kind of stayed behind and got married with the people. <laughs> so that food yeah. is actually we are proudly yeah. we can proudly say it belongs to the Malayan roots. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the Malayan root actually it's come from Malaysia and Singapore. So I definitely would do a monthly and. Great, uh, looking forward to the next one. I, I was looking, I, I love how you describe things, I was looking at your bio and <laughs> uh, in the more about me section. Yeah. For me, cooking is my passion for sharing its history, flavours and traditions. I want to bring back the influences of the olden days, 
eating the food we eat today. I actually wrote this in my bio. I learned to cook at my mother's kitchen growing up. It was a natural ability to pick up. So I had a natural ability to pick up uh, from recipes. And I noticed that later I developed more with flavors. Of course, I developed the skills of calling myself a chef further because of my great mentors, culinary teachers and chefs throughout Europe. And you also mentioned that your mother is your role model in the kitchen. You always admired her passion for cooking every kind of dish. And now it's yours to share with all of us, which I'm so looking forward to experiencing. So it could be a funny story. So growing up, like I think most Asian family, and I think also in Poland, a lot of my friends, I talk to them and they can relate to it. You know, when growing up as a girl, sometimes when your parents ask you to help in the kitchen, you feel like it's like a manipulation when they use compliments to to tell, hey, you're doing a good job, but you feel like, oh, maybe it's just for you to do more dishwashing or doing more things. So I didn't really believe that my, my mom was telling, like complimenting me genuinely, but I know she was. My mom actually, she was very much into cooking. Like she even joined competition. So she was very serious about it. And for me, I was like, yeah, I was like any teenage girl. Just I don't want to be in the kitchen. But as I grew up or whenever I helped my mom to do dishes, because she she did do side business, like small businesses where she makes uh, cookies, traditional cookies. She actually had an opportunity to open a small restaurant stalls in Asia. So she's very serious about it. So I helped her. And usually I naturally do things without realizing that I'm good at it. But then over the years, as I got older, I realized that, wow, actually I can mimic the flavors. Even my sister, when I go back to, because my sister is in Singapore. So when I go back to their place and when I cook, I realized that, wow, I can actually recreate recipes that my mom have uh, did for us like many years ago. And it just comes to me naturally. Yeah. So I think it's a blessing and I and I feel, and also in my culture or in Asia generally, or I think in many cultures, I think feeding people or cooking, serving, it's, it's a, such a blessing. Yeah. And I feel like in the hard times that gets me through. Yeah. It's definitely, it's true as well in Poland, they're always happy to give you food yeah. and <laughs> normally far too much food. We'll come back to some Krakow specific questions, maybe one or two about Polish food as well. Didi, what were your influences? You say that you're a professional chef. Tell me about your impressions about Polish food. I mean, it's amazing. I, so, I mean, what's your favourite? Is your favourite Zurek? I think I can say like Zurek and Kielbasa. <laughs> Ah, my friends called me Pan Kielbasa when I first Ooh. came in because I yeah. used to love sausage. Yeah. Not because I look like one, but probably that as well. Yeah. Polish food. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Didi. My experience was similar because I came in and I was, without knowing anything about Poland, I happened to, I mean, I can proudly say I was in a city that is very much Polish. It's Białystok. It's a very good way to... There's still very much of the country traditions there. I couldn't judge Poland, or at least I was still very new in... Because Poland was my first European country when I came to Europe. But after leaving Poland, because I left Poland uh, during before COVID, and then I went full circle with my chef thing, and then I came back. (laughs) A year, already two years now, I came back. Only now I really would admit that I appreciate Poland because that time I didn't know I couldn't I couldn't compare I didn't know what to compare it to but gladly gladly gonna say that Polish people you have done well with your cuisine you have flavors I'm not gonna mention the other countries I've been in the flavors is really good when it comes to European cooking yeah uh, I quite agree they know how to season food season well. that's yeah. good yeah. so I would say Jurek it was the same soup 
because I was struggling a little bit with a portion, just generally in Europe, uh, being Asian, I don't know, I, the portion was too big for me. Uh-huh. So the soups really did justice, the Polish soups, and every soup had like their own ingredients and it's always a hearty soup, you know, you, it's enough for one. But of course for Polish people, they're like, no, that's not enough, you need to eat everything else. <laughs> I'd say favorite is Zurich, uh, Zurich, sorry. And uh, I can't mention all the names because I'm still learning the words, even though, yes, I've exposed to Poland for five years, but forgive me, <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot pronounce all of it. But I would say, if you get a chance to go to a Polish milk bar, that's the place you want to go. But I haven't found a good one in Krakow. I'm sorry. Bar Mlechny. Okay, uh, you have to tell me. Those that don't know what a milk bar is, they, they're from the communist times and they were used by students and babchas and yeah. workers. They serve honest, proper, traditional Polish food. Yeah, because it's fresh. from yeah. the, At least from my experience in the smaller towns, you can literally see, see the older ladies and even men, but mostly ladies. They will freshly cook the dishes. And in Asia, we have a similar concept. But not because of the war. It's just that we have this thing called like a, like a street food mm-hmm. where you quickly get your, your rice and your meat and mm. your vegetables. It's very common in the Asian uh, small stalls. So I felt really at home and I could taste so many varieties to the from the appetizer to the dessert and I loved that because I had the power to choose <laughs> and it's also affordable. So it was like a Polish tasting menu for you. Yes and it also much. reminds me of home because yeah. we have that. I've, I've been to Singapore in the hawkers market. Yes hawkers it? they have that yeah, you pick yeah. what you want so it's uh, yeah it was surprising in a good way in a good surprising way. Some short sharp Krakow, Krakow questions now to get your Krakow story. Okay. Do you have a favourite place in Krakow? Like a food place? Well, okay, well, let's do both. Let's do your favourite place to go in Krakow, uh, can I go to a place uh, and your favourite restaurant? That's a hard one, actually, because I do believe that when it comes to Polish cuisine, I cannot find any restaurant to complain about. If I walk in, honestly, just mm. honest to, for my preference, I think all the chefs or the restaurants run here for Polish cuisine have done really well. Nothing to complain. So I can't pick a favourite because of that. Yep. But I would be biased because I do miss Malaysia and I'm very happy I did open the restaurant. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that is my favourite, yeah. uh, Asian. But there's another restaurant that I want to talk about that is... I, I don't go there as often because it's quite expensive. But please go if you can. They serve one of the best fish, in my opinion. Is I might be saying it wrong because Didi corrects mm. me always. Thai. Okay, it's spelled as T-A-J. Thaiska. Thaiska. Thaiska, Krakow. They have one branch in Renek and they have another branch in Kajimish. I can't speak for the Renek because I usually go to Kajimish. So I feel like the Kajimish branch, they've done really well. And I've noticed that their chefs are, I think, more... Thai people so they cook really authentically and their fish is really fresh and I got to know from the waiter that they how why is it fresh because literally if the fish is is finished is is all sold out that's it they don't sell it anymore so their sea bass specifically their sea bass is really good good to know yeah Yeah, I'll ask you what your second favorite restaurant is in Krakow because I know what your favorite one is it's going to be (laughs) batik so what's your second favorite restaurant in Krakow I mean I don't say that I have a restaurant but I like Platnovel so much in Kajimer because 
that's my favorite spot that like if you say like what you, your favorite spot in Krakow I always go to Platnova because I can do a bar hopping and then and hungry I get a lot of Polish food there I yeah. can easily get kielbasa and then zapikanka is nicer there anyone who's listening to this that doesn't know Platnova yeah. it, it's the social heart of Kazimierz yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm. in the center is a rotunda mm. around mm. building at, a, at each of the entrances at each of the windows of that they're selling mostly zapikanka which mm. is like a kind of 30 centimeter sometimes half a yeah. meter like a old French bread pizza with different toppings on it but as well it's relatively new to Platz Nove but they have different types of food now Georgian food Mm. some kebabs of course it's Krakow it wouldn't be Krakow without kebabs (laughs) and one of my favourite places is the Kashmir's Grill in the corner lovely lady great food traditional food they have the The kielbasa kielbasa. they have pork chops and then they also have a grilled cheese like Hoshipek yeah Yeah, and Kashanka which Mm. is a bit Mm. like Scottish Mm. haggis which is not as good as Scottish haggis, of course, but it's similar <laughs> to Scottish haggis. So Platznova, yeah, great, great yeah, for yeah. pubs, nightlife. Always got a great atmosphere mm-hmm. and a very bustling Sunday second-hand clothes market. It's yeah, yeah, always yeah. nice mm-hmm. to see. Don't have a wander through on a Sunday when the clothes market's on, and then go for a coffee at one of the many cafes that surround it. What is your least favourite thing about Krakow? I, I've always tried to be positive, but you know, what surprised you when you came here? You know, is there something that disappointed you or something that you think could be improved that you've noticed God, it is a hard one i mean for me like i just want to be honest uh after traveling for a little bit and kind of being able to see the different european countries and also comparing it to asia i think every city has its negative and positive but for me really it's so hard to pick but maybe it's like i think the only thing i can tell is like yeah i mean i would like poland to be a little bit more progressive but then I do appreciate it because I'm Asian and I realize that there's a, there's a reason why culture and traditions are there. So yeah, it's so hard to pick. But And, and then there's another thing in Warsaw. I mean, I don't, it's, it's my least favorite city, but it's because it people there can be very opinionated or a little bit more upfront and it can be aggressive a little bit to unfortunately to foreigners, especially guys. But then when I compare to other cities in the world, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. All capitals are the hardest places to integrate because people come from all walks of life and you get the good ones, you get the bad ones. So in general, I'm not saying just because I'm in the podcast of Krakow, but I genuinely, that's why I came back because I felt like Poland has a good balance between wanting modern mo- modernization, which is important, but also there is enough of a retained sustainable sustainable need of culture and tradition and i think that kind of keep the peace in my opinion mm-hmm. just talking about peace in general now with the situation of the world yeah, sure. <laughs> the, there's no doubt krakow and warsaw are different cities and as you probably know there's this rivalry this oh, okay, this some, so, sometimes friendly <laughs> right? yeah, of course it's a friendly rivalry between krakow and warsaw but slightly i'll phrase that question a bit differently what top tip would you give to a person who's newly arrived in Krakow? How can they find themselves and enjoy their their new Krakow life? Okay, the first tip that I want to tell people that don't be shy. I mean like, of course I'm the shy person, but please, even like the Polish people look like very unfriendly at at first, because they have sometimes the face that, because they they didn't know you, of course they don't want to talk to you. 
But please like, please give them a chance and then know Polish people more. It's okay that uh, you didn't know Polish because they will love it if you try to speak Polish. I even did not to, uh, to speak Polish very well. If I try to speak Polish, they respect me. They like uh, try to help me. And then they are so nice. All the Krakow people are nice. Please enjoy the city. It's often said actually, and I find it true in my own experience, that there's sometimes a distance and a barrier with mm. Polish people that are a bit protective. And a, but then when you get close, it's a real closeness uh, and they're very friendly and very open. Yeah. Despite this initial reluct reluctance is perhaps unfair. But yeah, yeah you, you have to break down this. Actually, that this. reminds me of, uh, yeah, actually it reminds me of something uh, when I've, because I, I lived in Biawistok and uh, many people were taken aback because Biawistok was supposed to be a city that was unfriendly to foreigners. But I think what Didi made point is I wanna I wanna echo that I do realize from my experience Polish people are actually quite friendly, but they they are how to say their facial ex expression is they are more introverted in the beginning. But if you smile first, they welcome you. And I have you know, and I realize that you just it's okay to make the first step, you know, and that's all it that's all it takes. And that's why I feel like compared to uh, many countries, it's e actually. For me, I feel it's easier to integrate with Polish people because of that. Because if you can take that step, mm -hmm. they are very quick to break down that barrier yeah. and welcome you in and, and they're very good at partying too. Oh yes, def <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah. What would be your final message to people about what you both do, about your pop-up chef events and a final message from you after that about batik, I suppose, an invitation. So basically, I guess my final message to everyone hearing is I would like all of you to be curious about Malaysia and this is an opportunity through food. So I would like people to maybe come over to Batik and also feel free to contact me through my business line, not only for business reason, but also just to know about Malaysia. Because honestly, I know it's crazy to say this, Poland have a lot of similar, culturally I feel this, we have a lot of similar with our, uh, we are a little bit like quiet and, and reserved, but we know how to party, we know how to welcome you, open up, we have great food, and there's a lot of common things, yeah. and I think I'm excited as a Malaysia, Malaysian, and also now choosing Poland as my, basically my home. I want to give that back to the Polish people. So yeah, approach it. Yeah. <laughs> Didi, what, what's your closing remark? Okay, so of course, please come to Batek. I was invited to come to Batek. And then I will explain every, a little bit about the food, the restaurant, about our culture and everything. And then about Batek itself, because I, we have like a bunch of Batek motif and theme there. There's a lot. So is a Batek that you have there, is it art for display for the restaurant? Is it available to buy? Is it clothing? Is it material? Okay, actually Batek is a patterns. Uh, it's a how do you make Batek. Every country have a different kind of Batek. Malaysians have a different Batek style and design. Even in Singapore also. Yeah. I've just found the reference that yeah. I, I mentioned that Batik has existed in Krakow before. Mm -hmm. The technology of dyeing fabrics was dealt with by the Krakow Workshops Association in the first half of the 20th century. It kind of predates us guys. Mm -hmm. And a, a guy called Anthony Buschek ran a Batik studio in Krakow employing mm -hmm. girls from towns near Krakow and ran individual artistic activities. Wow. So there has been a history at the time of the century of Batik, so great to, to reinvent Yeah, so it. I guess even more reason to come to Batik because there's a, like a huge uh, central display of uh, the Batik being hung on the wall. From Batik, 
best to reserve at the weekend if you're busy. Yeah, you but can. you're also on Volt and Bolt. Yeah, we have in Volt and Bolt. Uh, coming will be gonna be in Glovo also in like by next week. I hope. Do you do bookings as well for private house yeah, parties, private yeah, events? Definitely, yes. So as a private chef, I am able to cook at any location. So even privately at your homes. And I've done several of that. Yeah, so you can actually reach out to me if you need to do like a private a group event for you in a comfort of your own homes. I don't do catering, but if... I mean, we can discuss about it if you really need it because now we have the support of Batik. <laughs> because I usually do uh, up to maximum 30 people because my events are usually sit-down dining. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we can always discuss about there's a different preference. You can just reach out on my Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Or you can even reach out to Batik and look for me because I'm there too now <laughs> on a monthly basis. <laughs> you'll, not, you'll not be far away. Not be far away. Stay tuned because there is talks with Chef Didi here to bring in uh, more of the pastry side mm-hmm. of uh, of Malaysia and Southeast Asia mm-hmm. because I think uh, not much of the dessert side bringing uh, being brought across. Uh, of course, in the UK, you can find a lot of things about Malaysia, Germany too. But I think it's the hindsight that now, you know, with the opportunity, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talks and Didi has experience in pastry. Mm-hmm. So... That is what we are talking about, more bringing desserts. So watch this space for some Malaysian desserts and pastries. So, yes, in future, so I have planned to open like South Asian dessert, very original and authentic. Sounds fabulous, sounds yeah. delicious. Yeah. This has been Crack Off Stories. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.